have a really fast diet, with a sufficient amount of energy and, and protein and, and so on to sustain the heavy enough exercise. Because if you have a really fast diet, then you have to usually uh, decrease the amount of protein and carbs quite a lot and then you cannot really train heavy anymore and you will lose your muscle mass. Hello and welcome to Wise Nutrition Podcast, the podcast that brings you conversations about nutritional health, mindset and training topics. I'm your host, a certified nutrition coach, Daniel Weiss. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Yuha Hulmiv, who I met at a conference about health and nutrition, where he had a presentation about his protein research in Finland. We spoke about his latest research on female physique athletes, competitors, that means like female bodybuilders, uh, bikini fitness and such. So if you are a woman or you work with women as a coach, as a practitioner, this episode is right for you. I apologize upfront for the quality of the sound, which was not ideal, but we did the best we could for the circumstances. I hope you will enjoy the episode and without further ado, this is Yuha Rumi. So basically also during the presentation or during the your speech in the uh, conference you were basically focusing more on the protein yeah. research and that is like uh, is protein specifically something that you are interested in or was it just for the conference? I did my master's thesis and PhD on protein and resistance training, so that was the reason. Yeah, that was the reason. Yeah, so during the time when, when Milan was uh, doing PhD uh-huh. in, in, in the University of Uvascular, that was the time when I did my PhD on uh, protein and melanity of the chronobiology, so then... Uh-huh. So we have this common history. So he knows that I was I have done research on that topic. So <coughs> that, yeah. was, that was one of the main reasons. And since that, I have done more more studies related to muscle biology and uh, and also some clinical studies related to cancer cohexia and those kind of things. And, okay. fitness, and also investigated fitness athletes recently. Fitness athletes. So this is like physical athletes. Yeah, fitness and physique at least. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I saw that uh, basically what you were also sending to me and uh, some of the studies that you were re- referencing during the speech were uh, done on female athletes, which is like something that uh, is quite new, I would say, because a lot of the studies are done mostly on men when it comes to uh, physiology and mm. all these different effects and uh, there seems to be like there's not enough research on female athletes so this can be very interesting so uh, are there any differences that you have found so far well yeah uh, so basically this fitness and physique competition is actually nowadays at least in Finland is even much more popular in females than in males mm-hmm. oh really yeah so actually um, now we are con- uh, conducting a new study where we compare males and females, but uh, it was about two times easier to get females to participate than males. Uh-huh. So usually in, in research it's easier to get females to participate. That's one thing, whether they are at least or not. So females want to, uh, 
you know, take part to research more than males. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, also in these physics sports, there are more females. So it was much easier to get them actually to participate. But in yeah, 2015 and 16, we conducted this big uh, fitness physics study on, on females. It mm-hmm. was the first big one in, in the world that we conducted. So investigated whether what happens during the diet and then during the recovery regain period for uh, female uh, physiology and then health also during the during the diet. So that's what we did. And uh, so now we don't know yet like so much about differences to males yet because now we are just now doing the study where we directly compare males and females. So mm-hmm. quite difficult to answer to your question yet. Yeah, because there might be like differences, you know, like uh, one of the things that is difficult with women is like they heard it period. Yeah. So uh, the hormonal changes occur and uh, mm. they can also, uh, yeah, it can lead to some differences. So there are more things to control during the study. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's one thing and that's... That's maybe one reason why females haven't been in- investigated so much because you have to be a bit careful with the, some of the timing issues and so on related to the menstrual cycle and those kind of things. So it, it's, it may be a bit more difficult to do study mm-hmm. in that sense yeah. with, with females. But, um, but yeah, as you said, there are some obvious differ- differences between um, males and females in, in physique competition. One is this menstrual cycle. So what we found was was uh, that during this uh, physique competition um, when females are starting the competition uh, after some off-season period they usually have a, uh, their menstrual cycle is usually pretty okay like like we normally have and female yeah. females normally have but then uh, during the diet it starts to be um, I mean the like estradiol drops really low and then uh, also menstrual cycle is irregular or you are losing periods completely. But then uh, after the regain period, which is about the same length usually than the diet, which is like three, four, five months, then um, in most of the comp- competitors, it's, it has come back to pretty normal level. But still yeah. some people are, it's like the same thing with, uh, with some 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 other sports that in some athletes it's still a bit irregular because they are keeping maybe their body weight a bit too low maybe so then there may be some some issues with some we also found that some some participants in some participants uh, thyroid hormones are not completely recovered uh, after this uh, this diet so this T3 is not mm-hmm. always always recovered perfectly so that's probably something that to keep in mind when doing these diets is that to make it healthy sort of is to uh, is to have a good uh, regain regain period so it's probably not a good idea yeah, to so several months yeah yeah probably and then also our study and also some other evidence suggests that it's probably not a good idea to compete every year because it's probably a good idea to have a longer period of of, mm-hmm. of this recovery period and for physiologically and, and and also psychologically and then it's a good idea to have also some off-season period where you can actually gain some some muscle so and probably also some body fat for women yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so body fat for already during the recovery period and yeah yeah to just to get the the normal physiology functioning yeah, yeah.
Definitely, because uh, just like mentioned that there is like uh, women in sports. I think it's a pretty new topic or that is being revisited and it's like a relative energy deficiency, mm. uh, especially with women athletes and maybe have you noticed anything like how to optimize maybe even during the weight loss period uh, so their cycles and health stays let's say well how to optimize the health mm -hmm. for example what comes to my mind is like uh, maybe increasing the energy availability around the training mm -hmm. then maybe this can or could have an impact on overall health and performance for them mm -hmm. yeah so um so what they they did was they just had a they just measured competitors before before the, they started the diet and after the diet and after the recovery so we didn't in that study we, mm -hmm. we didn't have a chance yeah. to do any intervention because uh, it's, uh, there is no ethically it's not ethically possible to do interventions like like as, as intensive as this the diet this diet is in, in the competitors so we can only compare those who maybe succeeded better than the other so I can only speculate whether there are some um, but then um, Physiologically, it makes sense to have um, high enough glycogen, for instance, for heavy training. That's what you probably mean, for instance. So you would probably need to do during the diet the most the heaviest exercise when you have a good nutrition state. So, exactly. for instance, so for instance, if you are conducting your exercise, really heavy exercise, uh, like on the evening, let's say, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, it's probably a good idea to... Um, not to diet, sort of diet so much during that day and maybe previous evening, so to have a glycogen levels high enough for this really heavy exercise. But then, you, then on the other hand, if, if then on the next day you have a morning, you have like a endurance exercise, aerobic exercise, like quite many of those do, to uh, during the end of the diet, especially people are increasing amount of aerobic exercise to lose fat, then those exercises can probably be conducted in more lower glycogen level, just perhaps to um, optimize the fat use during exercise. So I think there is this kind of a uh, glycogen availability issue that you can you can use, like a bit, a bit like same way as endurance athletes are. Yeah. Uh, some of those are, are doing that this uh, train, train, high, train high with the uh, high glycogen, the heavy exercise, and then lower intensity with a bit lower. So um, that's probably something that um, quite many of them are doing, and now some coaches are suggesting them to do. And another thing is that there is some evidence now that there is a good idea to have some diet, diet breaks once in a while. So for some it may be just a couple of days enough, you know, meaning that mm -hmm. you can eat like ad libitum, so not, not like as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. Or not like as much as you want, but but like at least so amount the amount that that is sufficient for the for the energy um, consumption during the day. Meaning that not like too much, but you know yeah. the normal amount. So this is there is um, Eric Helms in, in New Zealand. He's conducting studies now, uh, investigating how this diet break effect affects. So, so whether it's a good idea actually to have a good more successful diet if you have these diet breaks in, in fitness at least. But there are already uh, um, some suggestions that um, it's a good idea to have once in a while, maybe at least once per month, this kind of a two to five day 
maybe diuretic. Yeah. It may have at least if it's at least three days or three, five, six, seven days. Sometimes not dieting. It may it may um, increase your um, leptin and maybe even thyroid hormones a bit towards back baseline. So it may be a bit easier than perhaps to you know continue again the dieting and also psychologically. Yeah. It is probably a good idea and. Uh, we have to keep in mind that uh, that um, increasing glycogen levels uh, back to baseline sort of is is not getting us uh, fat yet because getting fat is uh, increasing uh, body fat levels fat stores so sometimes fluctuating this uh, this uh, carbohydrate intake is not going to make us fat it's just you know we are just replenishing uh, glycogen so I think some people are have this uh, this problem that they are thinking when body body mass is going up and down a little bit like one two three kilos per day it's it's not yet it, it doesn't mean that they are getting getting fat it's just uh, getting the glycogen back up and then some uh, some water in it so so I think that's something to keep in mind that um, we can we can do that and then optimize the timing of exercise and, and nutrition like that so cycling carbohydrates is, is something that is pretty much used and I know that in our athletes which were quite su- successful in the study because we were quite surprised that we didn't we haven't published yet but we didn't find lots of uh, psychological problems so they, they didn't like like usually in such in studies they have been reporting some some issues like uh, bad mood and those kind of things mm-hmm. but in our study we had this um, our athletes were, um, uh, there is a quite good coaching system in Finland so they were having these refeeding periods once in a while, right? And I think that may be one reason why why there were a bit less issues with the psychological problems. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you have, if you take some of the refeeding days sometimes once in a while, then uh, it may be good with your, for your uh, psychological uh, problems that you might may may get. So um, yeah, yeah, it's a break. Yeah, yeah, it's a break of, of those things and. and uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether I uh, really answered your question, but at least uh, I tried. Yeah, to, uh, uh, and it brings me to the point like, uh, how long uh, was the actually weight loss period? Yeah, it depended on the athlete. So, um, so we wanted to have those athletes to the study which had about uh, three to four months, mm. but but eventually. There were a couple who had only only like about three months, and, and there were a couple perhaps who had a little bit more than four months. But on average, it was three to uh, three to four months, maybe on average. Yeah, on average, it was actually on average it was four months. Sorry. So, um, but they wanted to have it at least three to four months. Yeah. So on average, it was something like nineteen weeks, if I remember, average mm-hmm. diet period, which is about about four months. And then a little, little bit more. But there were a few who had also about five months. So there is some variation, oh. and it depends on on the on the baseline level of body fat, for instance, and also how, how fast they want want to have their have have their diet. So so some people want to have it a bit faster, and some a bit a bit slower. So there are some differences. So because it wasn't intervention, we couldn't mm-hmm. really say that it has to be for ethically. It's not possible to conduct this kind of a study because it's so heavy, intensive diet. So mm-hmm. yeah. And what were the changes like uh, regarding the fat mass before after? Yeah, so fat mass decreased about fifty percent. 
And visceral, yeah, and visceral fat, which is estimation of visceral fat based on this Android region in uh, DXA, DEXA scan, is, it was 70% decrease in visceral fat. And they, so they have a normal weight to start with, this physique at least, and then uh, even though they have a normal, normal weight, they could still drop it like 70% of the fat around this crowd. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a yeah. really nice result. Yeah, and actually, um, so we have published three papers so far from this um, cohort. So in the second paper, uh, in scientific reports, we, we published the metabolic changes, what happens. Mm -hmm. And actually, when we compared those metabolic changes in metabolites in the blood, we compared those to, to, to people who are uh, like to normal population yeah. who, are, who are losing weight. So we had uh, this kind of cohort, Finnish cohort, where, where we could pick up same age females and check whether they, when they, they had uh, weight loss. We could see that exactly the same things were happening in, 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 uh, in metabolism, in those um, health-related health factors and plus in these fitness athletes when they, when they lose their fat and in, in the normal population people when they are losing fat. Which mm -hmm. means that in, in blood, the inflammation level levels go down like uh, C-reactive peptides, CRP for instance, which is often measured and then um, some other markers for the inflammation like uh, low-grade inflammation goes down and then also um, uh, these uh, lipoprotein levels went better during the diet. So even in no normal weight individual, yeah. if, 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 if you uh, decrease body fat, it means that probably there is less risk for cardiovascular Cardiovascular risk is going down, so it, it may be, it may, our results may mean that for cardiovascular risk, the lower is better actually, which is a bit surprising perhaps, but, um, but, but, um, because usually people are just saying that, um, these diets are dangerous, you know, and only like neg only like negative, negative, sometimes like in the media, it's the, uh, the, it's, it's, uh, the news are usually negative, but we have to keep in mind that there are also some, positive effects of, of, of the diet. So so there are some um, perhaps body image issues and then some um, immunity issues like we published that uh, some immune regulation may go down so it, there may be a higher risk to get, get sick when you, mm -hmm. when you are doing diet and as, as we discussed some hormonal issues during diet and, and, uh, and menstrual cycle issues. But it doesn't mean that also some things are good. So these cardiovascular risk factors, risk of fat, they go down. So it's always like you have to keep in mind that all the things what we do with exercise and if we, if we exercise heavy, there are some things perhaps that are not so good and some things that are, are good. So they are always you have to balance these kind of these kind of things. So I think I think that's uh, good good to keep in mind. Yeah, and perhaps it can be also like a function of. Uh, the heavy resistance training, for example, mm -hmm. that uh, the immune system goes down, but maybe like uh, acutely. Mm. In our study, what happens during diet, and usually what happens with the physique at least, is that they are normally training something like four, four times per week, uh, resistance training. Mm -hmm. uh, but the aerobic level, exercise level, is only like two, three times per day, perhaps, uh, per week, <laughs> two, two, three, yeah, two, three times per week, normally. Uh, but then during diet, uh, resistance training, amount of resistance training is not usually increased in these athletes, but it's, they are increasing the aerobic exercise. So they are increasing aerobic exercise to be about four times, even five times per week, meaning that they are training about nine times per week usually. 
something like that. How long? Well, it depends. It depends. Resistance training is probably like one and a half hours, and aerobic is 30-60 minutes, something like that. Uh-huh. It's not like super heavy and super super high amount of exercise, but still, you would say it's, it's quite much because you are dieting, so you are decreasing yeah. energy intake about 20%, and then you are increasing amount of exercise. Uh, so, uh, so then the energy deficit is going to be there, and uh, t- certainly there are some red uh, syndrome types of things that you can see there, like we could, we could, we could find. So, um, so, so this is a state where that you, you shouldn't uh, continue too long. So certainly, even though there are some cardiovascular benefits, as I said, it's a good idea to to uh, to have a recovery. For at least for female physiology, because it's it's better to have some level of level of fat for health, probably. Yeah, definitely. And uh, now that you, uh, if you can compare, like, what do you propose would be better, like a longer period of fat loss or something like more more aggressive? Yeah, I think it's it it almost totally depends on the on the individual. So, for instance, some of us are uh, uh, quite. Uh, Low, have low fat to start mm-hmm. with, like I would be the, the one you would be probably, so we wouldn't need so long diet period. But then there are some individuals who are, who quite easily gain weight during off season. So for them, certainly it should be longer, the time period for, for dieting, because there is some evidence, even we have shown and, and some others that if you have a little bit slower weight loss, then there is a higher proba- probability to maintain your muscle mass better during diet. Right. And also, um, because it's quite difficult to um, have a really fast diet with a sufficient amount of energy and, and protein and, and so on to sustain the heavy enough exercise. Because if you have a really fast diet, then you have to usually uh, decrease the amount of protein and carbs quite a lot and then you cannot really train heavy anymore and you will lose your muscle mass. So there is evidence evidence that it should be quite quite um, quite um, um, I would say something like um, the max 0.5 um, kilos per week or something like that. Usually even even lower so so actually there is a recent um, recent review of um, of uh, of these uh, these athletes and uh, basically there is a there are recommendations for the for the weight gain in the in the recommendation and and b- before that there were uh, recommendations for the for the weight loss and for the weight gain period could be about same same pace as as the as the weight loss period after the diet so perhaps like um, this. Uh, uh, I mean, when you start the diet, uh, sometimes sometimes there may be some lag period, so it doesn't immediately drop the body weight. Sometimes mm-hmm. for some athletes, but then for some it's decreasing quite fast, depending on how the body reacts. Let's say to the uh, decrease of carbohydrates, for instance. But I, I guess the guess the recommendations now would be quite close to zero point three to 0.5 kilos perhaps per week or something like that. And our athletes had, had um, if I remember correctly on average, quite close to this 0.5, so half a kilo per week, a bit less. Meaning, and then they they could maintain the body uh, muscle, muscle size pretty well. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I would say that's that's the that's the base base to keep. So depending on how much you have fat and, and too much uh, an extra weight, then you can calculate the, the length of the of the diet. Yeah, I think there will be also wide interpersonal variance, like uh, when it comes to. Uh, psychology of the person. Mm-hmm. Like so, somebody yeah. likes to do it like fast and short term, and somebody yeah. might like yeah, or prefer to do it longer term. Yeah. So now we had in Finland the our, our national championships on uh, uh, start of October, and there were one one of the champions in Finland did it in a way that he he had a really long diet period, but he he, he had a one one month break during the summer because mm-hmm. he wanted to relax. Right. So that's, there are also there are so many ways to do it. So um, so um, so it's not just having having this linear type of diet, but you can you can modulate it and you can be flexible. And I guess if you are flexible, then you will succeed better. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's actually the approach that I take with most of people, most of the clients that to do it like longer term. Mm-hmm. It allows them also for to be like more flexible within the diet. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, there is evidence to show normal people that the more flexible. Uh, so we were speaking about like why flexibility might be good or uh, the longer term hmm. approach to dieting. Yeah, there is a. There is some evidence in in, in sort of uh, normal people that uh, that the weight loss and, and uh, body body fat lower body fat maintenance is, is better with flexi- more flexible diets in a way that you allow uh, the client to have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. So there is evidence and and and, uh, and it would be really weird if it's if it wouldn't work in in the fitness at least the same way. So, uh, so I'm pretty sure that that's that's certainly the case. So athletes can can then can be flexible, and when they have like a psychological issues, sometimes I know there are. This is like anecdotal, but um, some athletes have these these time periods when they they are not anymore losing fat for some reason. So it, it may be because they are they are so nervous, they are stressed, they may get even uh, some some increase of uh, like when the stress hormones go really high, it's possible perhaps that they are their uh, body fat levels, uh, body body water content is increased, and those kind of things may happen at least uh, at least in females. And uh, and uh, there are there are some other physiological um, changes that, that may happen during the diet that that um, makes them not to lose weight, even though though they are on a calorie deficit. So probably these these um, diet breaks may do a good thing about you know the, the psychological issues may diet breaks and flexible flexibility may, may may be good because then there is less of these kind of these kind of problem, problems and and then uh, probably the sleep quality will be better which is probably good uh, training quality will be will be better so um, I guess there are many it's like a, probably like, it's like a common sense probably that that. Uh, Having some flexibility there for most individuals is a good idea. But then there are perhaps some individuals who want to have really authoritative, authoritative coach who just says everything what you should do. And for some maybe that's yeah. that's fine. I know there are some who just don't want to have any. You know they don't want to think. 
they just want to go on as, as, as it said. But then the coach should probably program some flexibility for the, for the athletes. So that's probably, you know, not like flexibility perhaps, but program these, these higher, higher uh, energy days or something. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, from my perspective, it also gives your body, like this longer term approach, it gives your body time to adapt to this, let's say, physiological mental changes, hormonal changes, and um, in that way, it might be better. Mm. Yeah. The only problem with long diet is probably that if you are competing once per year, then there is, uh, if the diet period is really long and then you, you need probably long um, recovery period, then there may not be time for off-season where you want to have gains for muscle. So for those who are still, still haven't trained so much or who has to increase their muscle mass, and so for them, sometimes it may, may not be a good idea to, to have too long diet. But then I think this there is not really any, any, any problem because you don't have to compete every year I mean right if there is a if, if it, it should be a common sense that if you need to increase if the problem in your physique is muscle mass so then it should be a common sense that you should have a you should have time to really gain muscle not just to diet back and forth so these weights, weights this weight cycling is probably not so good idea if you if you wanna wanna wanna, wanna gain because for instance in our individuals um, during this uh, about 10 month 10 month period or a bit less than 10 month period of, of weight loss and weight gain most of the individuals are about at the same level after this 10 months period their muscle mass and fat mass is about the same meaning that then during 10 months there is no progress that they have had so they have competed once but there is no progress so if if they would have just tried to gain muscle mass during the 10 month period they would have probably cut one, two kilos more muscle during the period. And that's the reason why you shouldn't compete every year if you want to really gain, gain muscle. Because you are, it's a compromise always when doing, doing dieting. You have to do it because in all, all the sports you have to compete, you know. Yeah. Competing, it's the same in other sports that, uh, you have to compete and, and, uh, and, and that's it. And, and, but, but yeah, it's probably not a good idea to do it too often in these sports because the diet is so heavy, so intensive. Right. So I would wrap it up now because mm. I appreciate your time also and your expertise. And uh, let me just ask you uh, from the conference, what is something new that you learned or what stood out to you? Yeah, so um, so I participated at the conference in, in in, in Slovakia, Bratislava here, and um, I think it was uh, my fourth or fifth visit to Bratislava, and uh, it was really nice, and it was nice, nice, nice conference. And uh, so the first talk was um, um, that I that I heard after my talk was this carbohydrate talk, uh, Garrett Wallis, and I think uh, the one message that was quite new was this unpublished research that they published, that they showed or he showed was that this. Um, uh, when you do this uh, high fat, uh, high fat diet, mm-hmm. you have high fat diet. Um, the reason why high fat diet perhaps um, increases fat use, relative fat use for energy, is not the high fat itself, but decreasing the carbohydrate intake. I think his his new uh, his this this new unpublished findings suggest that that's the reason. So when on a diet, when you are on a diet. 
usually decrease carbohydrate intake. That is that is probably the the reason for the increased uh, fat, relative fat use. Well, that, 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 that was a good point because uh, I'm uh, coming from the perspective of endurance athletes, you know, mm. and there is always like people or people. There is always somebody who is arguing that yeah you uh, want to get fed adapted which means that uh, you increase the uh, number of calories or your fat percentage intake you lower the carbs so you burn more fat of course mm-hmm. if you are ingesting more fat and more fat comes from your food you will be burning more fat yeah and the, yeah. And, the and the exercise itself also does it does it so if you if you exercise in a fasted state then you Learn to burn a bit, little bit more fat, but that was a bit like um, even a surprising finding that it was so clear that that it's more about decreasing carbohydrates that somehow makes body to use relatively more more fat for energy. But one has to be keep in mind that it's not so. People are always thinking that it's it's so it's a, it's just a good adaptation to burn more fat. But actually, in in sports, it's actually uh, the. Uh, Ability to use carbohydrates is, is more important than ability to use fat. Only like in some sports, maybe uh, ultra endurance sports, uh, ability to use use fat is is more important than carbohydrates. But for instance, in, in bodybuilding and resistance training, about 80% of the of the energy production comes from glycolysis and carbohydrate production. So this uh, fat adaptation is not so important because it, it's more important to to use carbohydrates well. Yeah, but anyway, that was interesting. And then um, there's Antonio Pauli, uh, another English English speaking um, guest, who was talking about ketogenic diet and about uh, intermittent fasting. Fasting, and um, yeah, he he had an overall uh, uh, overall talk about um, about these topics and uh, what what would be something that I would would have learned. I have read his papers pre before and, and uh, but I think something that was quite interesting was the individual variation for, for this uh, for this ketogenic diet right. because uh, now we know quite clearly that there are sports in which uh, ketogenic diet is, is probably really bad I did good a bad idea like uh, like uh, hockey ice hockey it would be really stupid probably to do to have ketogenic diet for hockey players but then uh, there are some endurance athletes for for whom and maybe for MMA MMA sports and so on for during the during the diet uh, keto may be okay but but then there are some for whom it's it, it's a really big risk really big risk so uh, now he showed showed data from other studies and from their study I think as well so that for some individuals it may be okay for a while and for some not and now why is it so I mean now people are trying to understand the reasons and he was suggesting that there are some evidence perhaps for microbiota so maybe for some microbiota is a bit different it's it doesn't allow them maybe to to um, for to really um, go well with the keto and for some it, it, it could so that was quite interesting but uh, I would say it's uh, quite, quite, quite a lot of psychological issue also probably. So I wouldn't have any chance to, to, to eat like keto because I don't like to, I like carbs. <laughs> and uh, psychologically that's a big thing. If you like carbs then, um, then 
keto probably don't work for you. I mean, that would be quite clear. I agree. Yeah. And if you are, if you like to be carb adapted, you know, if you like to have, a, if you like to use carbs well, like I do, I do resistance training. I play beach volleyball and those kind of sports where you know carbohydrates are clearly more important than fats. So then, for me, I wouldn't, <laughs> I clearly wouldn't like to, wouldn't like to be more fat adapted in, the, in that sense. But yeah, it's, uh, clearly during during diet, reducing satiety in some, it may work. But then if you um, if you if if the oxygen use is increased during endurance sports because of fat adaptation, that's probably not a good idea. Like Lewis Burke and others showed. So so uh, one has to keep in mind that fat adaptation doesn't mean that it's a good thing. It's not right. It's not always a good thing. So it depends on the sports and on the athlete. Like from my point of view, or how I say it, it's always like uh, you know these two different engines, right? Like mm-hmm. glycolytic, and then you have also the uh, fat adaptation. Let's say, mm-hmm. and you want to be able to use both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to use both of them, but then then uh, you shouldn't compromise the other uh, too much if if the sport is mainly about carbohydrates. And most of the sports I do, for instance. Is, is about carbohydrates and I don't know most of the performance comes yeah. from carbohydrates like uh, like you mentioned or like also um, it was mentioned during the conference like the benefit of ketogenic diet or fat adaptation itself could be for like ultra endurance sports mm. and I see the maybe the usability for people who don't do sports mm, yeah. like for workers uh, office workers and yeah stuff. yeah for those who clearly are most of the day just uh, using their fat and they don't need yeah. this um, very uh, very strong and very um, very good carbohydrate use and glycolytic glycolytic energy systems so it's clearly individual thing and I think this his talk uh, again and even now, even more than the others, show that um, it's it's really individual, and one has to be keep that in mind. And uh, when you also mentioned, like uh, Mr. Powell mentioned, that the, the the individual variants can be due to microbiota. Mm. I don't know if you know there is a, a bio optimizers. I think it's called. It's a website that there are, uh, I think, two guys have it. And uh, one is vegan, mm-hmm. and the other one is uh, on ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. So pretty much the opposite one. Mm-hmm. High carb, the other mm-hmm. one is very low carb. Mm-hmm. Both of them like perfect health, mm-hmm. and they are also attributing it or the success of their diet, why it works for them, is because uh, of the digestibility. Mm-hmm that for example vegan diet would not work for everybody because of digestive issues with too much fiber and so on yeah like a ketogenic diet works for the other one is because it has a different microbiota which allows him or works for him mm, maybe yeah that's, that's that those are really interesting issues like for some some they get some issues maybe from some peas and plants maybe some yeah. people and, and then for some it's just that um they are perfect for their for their health. Like uh, mm-hmm. vegetarian diet is usually for most. It's probably good for their health. But yeah, for some you cannot really tolerate those kind of amounts of fibers. So that's probably the future that we can we can think of those things as well. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, certainly.
Okay, so thank you very much for your time and for your experience and what you shared with me today. And uh, let's see you next time. <laughs> thank you. If you like the podcast and you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a rating and a review online. And similarly, if you could share news about this podcast, I will be really glad and thankful. I mean, it would be great. And thank you for all of you who continue to do that.